0: saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair, and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all of Judea, and all the district around the Jordan, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. All right,
1: Um, very, you know, powerful passage as we uh, come to the uh, the these days of John the Baptist. Um, There's a lot of things you can say about John, but what would you say John mostly did? That's
2: a trick question.
1: (laughs) Do what?
0: Everything different.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but what what was his main? what, What did? What would you say John's almost profession was? Or what was his? What, what did he do the most of?
0: Baptizing.
1: No, <laughs> preaches. They baptized, and we call him John the Baptist. But really, you look at him; he's more often preaching even than baptizing. John was a proclaimer. In fact, you remember what the uh, what Isaiah 40 called him? A voice. A voice. John's first and primary function was to speak the message. And he was great at that. Because he just preached it. He just taught it with with power, simplicity, and authority. And and we're going to see that in in what we see even in John right here. Now, you know, where was he? Where was he preaching? Wilderness. Yeah. What's the idea of a wilderness primarily? Barren, especially often barren in terms of people, in kind of an unpopulated area. John, above all things, he's outside of the comforts of you know society. He's kind of out in the you know wild. You know, we that's kind of a, a good word for us maybe to describe that. And and what's he preaching? Repent. Yeah. <laughs> Repent. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, softening that down or prettying it up. It's repent, which means what? Change. Change. Urgent, decisive change, radical re- orientation of your life. Repent. Why? The of is For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when we speak of the kingdom of heaven, what 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 are we saying, the kingdom of heaven? The rule of the king. Absolutely. The rule of the king. This great and decisive manifestation of God as king has come near. You know, his rule and reign is right upon them therefore they need to repent therefore they need to change you know God's promised reign is about to begin God is is showing his control Um, why call it the kingdom of heaven it's a
2: spiritual kingdom not a physical
1: yes And it comes from God. This is God's rule or reign. This is not something that that has evolved on the earth. This is something that comes from the Lord. His rule or reign over the earth is is imminent. We need to repent. Um, the, The notion of the kingdom was not so startling. But John urgently preaching, it is upon us. That's the thing that was shocking about his preaching. The kingdom, God's royal rule and reign has drawn nigh. We need to repent. And he says, for this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet. When he said, and Isaiah spoke of what John was doing. He was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. What was John crying according to Isaiah?
0: Make ready the way of the Lord; make His paths straight.
1: So, what do you? What do you? You know, how do you make a way ready?
3: And I think it's interesting that He was preaching in a wilderness place, but I think also the people's hearts had become a wilderness. I mean, it was barren, and, and just like when you let when you let things go and you let your you know you leave a garden alone, the weeds are going. To, and so they people need to prepare their hearts. They were just hardening you're gonna see that the response to Christ is a hard-hearted response for the most
1: part. Yeah, it's all grown up with a bunch of, you know, weeds and shrubs and garbage that needs to be cleared out. They need to clear away all the religious and moral obstacles that are obstructing the approach of the Lord. Make the way ready. Get this thing opened up, blaze the trail. Make his path straight. You get rid of everything that's crooked. It's not in line with God's will. Really, John's saying, you guys need to straighten up. Because the Lord is coming. Now, when he says, make ready the way of the Lord, who should we think of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus. But do you, do you know that in Isaiah 40? When it says that, it says clear the way for Jehovah in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God, the capital Lord, which means Jehovah. So here's a passage that speaks of Jehovah God applied to Jesus. Jesus is Jehovah. He's coming uh, for the united Godhead to establish God's rule and reign over the earth. This is just, this is powerful preaching. Can you imagine? You know, John coming into this wilderness area, beginning to preach, repent, for God's sovereign rule is upon us. Get the way ready for the Lord to come. No wonder people flocked out to hear that kind of preaching. He had something to say. Comments and questions on those first three verses. In verse 4, what does he emphasize about John's lifestyle?
0: It's pretty basic.
1: <laughs> yep. There is so much to say about this. There's so many things, I think, to think about. Does that fit John, do you think? Why, why does this kind of fit John?
2: No nonsense.
1: Yeah absolutely no nonsense no frills you know his clothing and his diet preached they almost model the message you know repent for God is coming you know and he he just he preaches simple he lives simple and I think this simple mode of life was a was a almost a, a lifestyle protest against self-indulgence you know, he wasn't concerned about the niceties of wardrobe and food. You know, he, and he's calling us away from being so worried about what we look like, what we're going to eat, where we're going to live. He's, this isn't important. The thing that's important is to get our lives straightened out for the Lord is, is at hand. And I think he challenges our values. You know, are we more interested in possessions and comforts and status is our preaching of the gospel. You know, more a gospel that meets our needs or that calls upon us to sacrifice our desires for his kingdom. You know, uh, I just think it's, it's encouraging uh, to see John, you know, just living a life of simplicity uh, because he is all about the, the rule of God Not about the things of the earth. And we might be better off if we did that. You know, later on, think about things that that you'll find in in Matthew that we'll talk about this. Like chapter 6, where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount will basically (laughs) say, you shouldn't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. You know, the Lord is the one to focus on. Or think about chapter 10 and verse 10, when Jesus sends out the 12 and says... You know, don't acquire a bag for your journey, two coats, sandals, a staff. You know, don't worry about all the extra niceties. When you go out, just go out and proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, you know, you'll say in 2418, whoever's in the field, don't go back to get your cloak. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your stuff. Worry about what God tells you to do. I think the whole book of Matthew, and really the whole gospel, is saying, don't make our focus the stuff here. John just lived that. And man, it had an impact. Jerusalem went out, all Judea, all the district around the Jordan, they were baptized in the Jordan as they confessed their sins. You know, it wasn't so surprising maybe that John baptized. But he baptized Jews! He baptized people who theoretically wouldn't have needed that. But everyone needed to straighten up, to repent, to be baptized and be prepared for the coming of the Lord. And a bunch of people went out and were. Does John remind you of anybody? You. Yes. <laughs> In what ways?
0: He wore strange clothes and was hanging out in the desert.
1: (laughs) Yes. You know, this rather basic clothing. This solitary life in the desert. What else reminds you of Elijah? Bold. Bold, uncompromising preaching. What else reminds you of Elijah? Not We haven't seen it yet in John, but you know this is coming.
2: You prepare the way for the one who would come after him.
1: Yes, that's true. They need to prepare, prepare the way for Elisha. He didn't uh, pull
2: any punches when he was dealing with the wicked or whatever.
1: With the king and queen. And who did John get himself crossways with? you know, King Herod and Mrs. Herod you know, so a lot of parallels to Elijah and you know uh... just a condemnation of the whole self-indulgent lifestyle of Ahab and Jezebel and of the people here Um, uh... just uh... you know, really, really powerful statement that leads us into you know, some of the work of Jesus. Comments and thoughts on those first six verses?
2: So is this the, the first introduction of baptism?
1: In the Bible? Yeah. Yes.
2: And, I mean, there's no <laughs> fanfare about it or anything. It's just John started baptizing people.
1: There is a debate as to whether or not by this time proselytes were baptized. They were at some point in time. Maybe or maybe not this early. So it may be that John is actually using something they did to Gentiles and commanding it to be done to Jews or maybe it was after this they started the proselyte baptism. There were... Was it
0: before or after this that there were... The washings of the Jews.
1: Well, they've had washings long before this, yeah. I
0: mean that's something that's yes different, it's But it's yeah, similar. You're right.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, oh well, there's several prophetic passages dealing with water and the purification and you know, there's Naaman and the leprosy There's a lot of prefigurings of this.
2: Reluchus clean food.
1: Yes. Right? I think so. They they had the jointed legs and hopped. And I think as long as they did, that was okay. That John like
2: locusts?
1: Do what? I wouldn't think John would eat one I think you're right about that. But I think like locusts and crickets and, and, and grasshoppers.
0: These of them you may eat. The locust in its kind, then the devastating locust in its kind, and the cricket in its kind, and the grasshopper in its kinds.
2: White castles are are clean, too. That don't mean we have to eat them.
0: (laughs) 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 Some defeat. (laughs) (laughs) Just because the locusts were clean. (laughs) and jumps.
1: Why didn't he eat better?
0: Why not? Locusts Mm -hmm. were abundant.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm (laughs) guessing. I mean, I'm not even thinking of this as being some sort of a vow of poverty on John's part. It's like this is what he's got out there. What's he going to eat Well, whatever shows up? You know, he's got locusts to eat. You know, he's got camel's hair to wear. I mean, and,
0: and if he wanted something better, he'd have to stop preaching, start working in the sense of, of laboring for someone, perhaps, to earn money to buy the food. Or,
1: or as Jesus would say, go to a king's palace where they wear the soft clothes. You know. yeah. I mean, as you see, John is unconcerned about those things. He's not, he's not a social guy. He's not a, a worldly guy, materialistic guy. I mean, he's a guy with one thing in mind. Prepare the way of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Baptizing these people to get them ready for the coming of Jesus. That's really all his life was about. The best we can tell.
2: So it appears they understood the message. I mean, it was the... I think so. ...Pharisees, it was the Jews that were coming out.
1: Yes, yes.
2: And so they would have understood the prophecies or whatever that... and expecting and believing that what he was saying was the uh, fulfillment of that.
1: Certainly there were Jews who knew about that, who were looking for that. I don't know if all of them, what they all understood. Right. But yes.
2: But, I mean, if not it wouldn't make any sense for some guy starting to preach this and people from all over the place coming out and
1: say, oh, yeah, let's follow him. Yeah, and and you've got passages like Luke 7, verse 29 and 30. When all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. So the ones who recognized... You know uh, God's justice, and acknowledge that we're baptized. The one who, ones who rejected God's purpose, were not baptized. Other thoughts?
2: Was it a uh, was was this in some way a requirement for everyone?
1: (laughs) Yes, I mean I think this is a command. This is this is what John's ordering them to do those who didn't were rejecting God's purpose now I knew, I not you know I don't know if we want to even get into what about people who were far away who were Jews or whatever but for those who were coming for those who were hearing the message I think this was a call to them to be bab- to repent and be baptized yeah even
3: Matthew 21 words Jesus Jesus comes to the temple and the Pharisees questions him about what authority do you do these things? And he said, well, the baptism of John, <laughs> where was it from, from heaven or of men? Of course, they didn't want to answer that it was from heaven because they didn't obey like Luke 7 says. So it was a requirement upon all. And so they had to find a way out of that. And, and later you'll find where they said John, is, John was a madman, Jesus was a wine-bibber and a glutton, John was a crazy man. So I guess that was their excuse. But
1: yeah." Good point. Other thoughts? Alright, let's look at some of, a kind of a sample of John's encounters with some of these people, 7 to 12.
3: But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourself, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down the throne into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire.
1: So he sees many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming uh, for baptism. That's unusual right there. How many passages do you see in in the New Testament where the Pharisees and Sadducees are bracketed together? You know, you've got them together in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And uh, you've you've gotten together in Acts 23, where Paul said, I'm a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, and they rioted.
0: I was going to say, the only other time I can think of is when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were plotting together to... to
1: And and even you don't have the statement of the Pharisees and Sadducees, even at that, even though they may have been. Right. Yeah. So this is... uh, you know, the uniting of diverse groups, very uh, different groups, coming to John for baptism. Isn't that wonderful? You know, the religious leaders, the temple leaders, they're all coming out to be baptized by John. What would we do if we had a mass, you know, number of, of great religious leaders who would come to us for baptism? What does John do?
2: <laughs> he's not quite convinced. Tell <laughs> you what, you are.
1: He is not a man of tact. <laughs> what does he call him?? You bunch of wriggling snakes. All you're trying to do is get away from the encroaching fire. You know, but it's just he's just like, you're as low as you can be. And you have no business coming before baptism. This is just this is just fire protection for you. It has, has nothing to do with true repentance and a true desire for the Lord. You know, John is uh, vivid, but not very diplomatic. But he, it's the truth. These people have no sincerity. They are not wanting to change their lives. They just want to get on the bandwagon and get the baptism as well. And John doesn't hesitate to tell himself. And he says, if you really want to do something worthwhile, what does he tell him to do?
0: Bear fruit keeping with
1: repentance. Now he's been telling him to repent. He said, you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Why? Because it's not repentance if it doesn't. That's exactly right. What is it if it doesn't? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy? Does anybody ever repent like that? You ever hear people, you ever see people repent? It's not real repentance. What do they do? They say it. They say it. Oh, I'm repenting. And maybe shed a few t- tears. Maybe want to be different. John says you've got to bring forth the evidence. If there's no fruit you haven't really changed, you guys need to get busy changing your life. You know, um, you could, uh, you know, you could always do something external. You can get somebody to dunk you. You can buy something. You can carry something. You can go through some formal procedure. But where does fruit always come from? Yeah, from, ultimately from a tree. It's produced by the tree. You know, you can tie something onto a tree, but it's not the same as the fruit that's born from the tree. These people, oh, they're going through some religious act, but they're not bearing fruit out of their nature. Their character is not bearing fruit. They're just going through some mechanical religious observance. We need to be trees that bear fruit not just people who do some religious stuff. Um, so th- that's what, that's what you know, John is really challenging them with, is this has to be deeper and more fundamental than just going through a baptism. You guys aren't changing, and you're not bearing fruit. He says, and don't you rely on your family tree. <laughs> it's the wrong tree to rely on. rely on the fruit-bearing tree, not the family tree. You know, he says, you, want to, you, you you call Abraham your father? He says, even the stones have got more of a chance of being God's true people than what you do. God can, God can make his people out of these stones. He's having a hard time making them out of you. How many times do people rely on things like, well, we're Abraham's family? You know, how many times people say, well, I, this, is, this is a Christian nation. Or, I was raised in a Christian family. You know, I'm a member of a you know Church of Christians you know my, my grandpa was a preacher you know my wife goes to church all the time et cetera you know I have some kind of connection therefore I'm cool Jesus said no don't you think well I got great a great background what, what kind of fruit are you bearing that's what John is really you know emphasizing to them and in all that you know what did he say was going to happen to the tree?
0: If it doesn't bear, it's going to be cut down and thrown into the fire.
1: And, and, and he says the axe is already where? At the root. Why the root? It won't go back if you cut it. That's exactly right. You take the roots of the tree out, there's no more hope for the tree. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. Doesn't bear good fruit, it'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is not pruning the tree. This is destruction of the tree. So what do you think about John's preaching?
0: Um, something I want to kind of point out is like we yeah, already saw in verse 4 like how, you know, John wore uh, camel's hair. You know, he ate, you know, grasshoppers and locusts and stuff. Um, which I, It's kind of funny because uh, the exact opposite is Probably the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they probably have you know the most fancy clothes. Probably eat the best meals, but they're nowhere close to being on the right track as John is, and he's you know he calls him down for it. And it's kind of cool to see like how John is you know lesser as the world would think, but yet he still produces better fruit and is real.
1: Yeah, what do you think about John's preaching? How would you look at this?
0: It's very judgmental.
1: Very judgmental.
0: <laughs> Intolerant. Intolerant. <And> <laughs> you probably want to say, "You're driving them all away. They won't hear your message. So you know, let's ramp up to this. Let them, let them get a taste of this, and, and you know."
1: Can you imagine a preacher today? There's a bunch of people coming to get baptized. He says, who warned you? You know, what are you doing to come to be baptized? You bear some fruit, showing your repentance. Whoa. Imagine what the church would do to a preacher like that. You know, what what do we see? All we think about is making people happy. You know, so often, meeting their needs. You know, make sure we don't offend them. What would you do with preaching like this? What if somebody told you that? Have there ever been any times your repentance was insincere? What if somebody had gone to you right then and said, you are not really repenting. Bear some fruit that shows it. Quit being like a snake just trying to get away from the fire. What would you do if somebody told you that? When deep down you knew you weren't sincere? we we get mad, wouldn't we? Maybe all, you can't talk to me like that. I think, think, you know, all that is just interesting to see and think about. Now, I don't think John's trying to be a big shot. I don't think John's trying to be anything. I don't see any emphasis on John thinking about himself whatsoever. This is the truth. This is the message they need to hear. He is preparing the way for the Lord. And that includes the the radical repentance of, of any Pharisees and Sadducees who want to see God's kingdom. Comments and questions through verse 10.
2: There's no indication that he refused to baptize him. Necessarily. And it may be. Okay. I'll baptize you. Now yep. brings fruit. <laughs> if you're really repenting. Maybe it never comes to that. He <laughs>
1: didn't
0: <Right. laughs> <laughs> insults them and they're not they're no longer willing can you
1: imagine these guys wanting to be baptized after this lecture Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) might be afraid he'd leave you down under too long (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't I don't know that he has to refuse to be baptized
0: well and I was wondering you know if we know that there were some Pharisees uh who had real faith. I mean, and so this is meaning the general bundle of Pharisees and Sadducees, but there were individuals among them who probably didn't get the same. Mm-hmm. Yo, snake face.
1: John's purpose get the people to repent and get ready for the imminent. You know, dominion of the Lord, and that's going to take real change in the hearts and the lives, not just another, you know, dunking somebody under the water. Did John baptize? Do you believe in baptism? Absolutely. Did he think it was baptism only? No way. Baptism without repentance is worthless. That's what John sees. Hey, Gary, I got got a
3: question. Um, and 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 at asking this, I'm not. When, well, let me just sit one aside. On in in First Kings 18, we find the story of Elijah coming to Ahab, and he says, "Repent, repent, repent." Um, and there is a uh, there is a, a Baptist preacher. Uh, his name escapes me right now, but he's he was well known for years. He'd written several books. And in this in his lesson on on Elijah and Ahab, how Elijah confronted Ahab. In the story there's a man by the name of Obadiah, who seems to be a godly man, but he's working for King Ahab. And this preacher makes the point that Obadiah, you know, is you know, was hiding all these prophets in a cave. And his point is, well, what good are prophets that need to be hidden? Elijah was out there preaching the word. Um, and, and my question is this, and and I'm not even sure, you know, you find a man like God raising up a, 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 an Elijah and a John to meet this problem, but not everybody was an Elijah and a John. Um, I mean, is that is that necessarily wrong that that you have? Elijah's you have Obadiah's you have prophets in a cave Um, And I don't know exactly what I I mean Don't know exactly what I'm asking but not everybody was a John or Elijah again not trying to soften the blow up saying repent
1: Yeah, I agree with that Uh, You know I I don't assume there's a criticism of Obadiah or the prophets that he hid uh, where has Elijah been? Yeah, he ran. God, God had hit him. God you know, this was a time that, you know, you, you prophesy out loud, you'll be killed. You know, <laughs> so I don't think God always intends for us to just, uh, you know, court persecution, or court death. Uh, now, we come to the New Testament, certainly they kept preaching. They just ran out of one sitting and preached it in the next. You know, I don't think we need to quit preaching, but running a while might, might not be a bad idea. Uh, so, I, I I I but I don't think there's anything wrong with what Obadiah or those prophets did. John says uh, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who's coming after me is mightier than I. How much mightier is he? And
3: send the Holy Spirit
1: baptism. Yeah, and first I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. Wow, I'm
0: not fit to be his lowliest. Most despised slave who got the task of removing nasty shoes from nasty
1: feet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, how worthy would you have to be to do that? You know, would only your highest slaves get the privilege of taking your shoes off your feet? You know, you'd assume that'd be reserved for the lowest slave. John says, I'm not even worthy to do that. And furthermore, in contrast with me baptizing with water, what does he baptize with? My spirit and fire. Yeah. That's a whole different order. <laughs> Jesus is the one who immerses with the Holy Spirit and fire. Um, there's a lot of debate about all of that. Um, I think verse 12 helps with the fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You, know, you had the, good, the, the tree that didn't bear good fruit cut down and thrown into the fire, verse 10 and you have burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire in verse 12, I suspect the fire here is judgment. You know, John baptized with water, Jesus brings a judgment. Now there's more debate about, you know, the idea of, of he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. But I would suggest going back and thinking about various Old Testament passages that suggest that the New Testament was going to be the era in which the Spirit would be poured out. For, for example, um, Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 and verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and you to, will be careful to observe my ordinances. And uh, 37, 14, I will put my spirit within you. And uh, 39, 29. I will not hide my face from them any longer but I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel. There's a lot more passages like that. That the, the, the spirit being poured out on his people was a characteristic of this time of the Messiah. The great time of blessings. Jesus was the one that was going to bring the spirit, the great blessings, and the fire, the horrible judgment. And it's kind of all one package. You know, because you either accept or reject. You're either blessed with the Spirit and all the blessings that come through Him, or you're punished by the fire and all the punishment that comes with that. So, He's going to baptize you with either the Spirit or with fire. You know, Either He's going to bless you through the, what the Spirit does, or He's going to punish you with fire. How great Jesus is, even in comparison with a, a John who baptizes in mere water. Comments and thoughts.
0: Okay. I say just in support of you know the fire being the judgment in verse ten, fire's judgment in verse twelve, fire's judgment. So, verse eleven, it makes sense that. I think judgment.
1: so. I think contextually, it's hard to stop, to stop us from saying that. Other mm-hmm. thoughts.
3: Acts one also seems to be a, a a gathering, a separation of the, come in before you know the blood and you know those who call upon the name of the Lord. That quote from Joel, you know. The separation and a gathering.
1: Good point. Yeah. Those who escape are saved and others are judged. I agree. And Joel's a good passage to compare with this whole idea of the pouring out of the Spirit. All right. Well, our time's uh, up. And uh, that's a good, uh, good chunk. Good things to think about. Lots of things to think about. Matthew's got tons of stuff. More than I understand. For sure. But um, my schedule is complicated. I will be off two on one, off one on one.